Hey, and welcome to the Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back at the Rally Roundtable. I hope you're feeling good because we have the one and only Sam Gibson here. Sam, how are you feeling today, mate? Man, I'm so honored to be here. Excited. Looking forward to this. Mate, I think you are the first uh, fellow six foot six, just giant I've had on. Normal size people. Normal size people. We can look in each other's eyes. It feels great. Uh, but Sam is the campus pastor down at our Florence campus. And really, we're going to be having a conversation uh, today really about like meeting with God and how do you spend time with Him? Uh, what does it mean to actually even know Him in the daily moments? And we're going to just dive into some of your story and just learn from you. And so uh, I'm really excited and honored that you come and hang with us today. But I'd love you to just take a moment and just uh, share just some of your story of maybe how you came to know yep. Jesus and what's kind of led you to this moment. Yeah. Um, so for me, kind of living in South Carolina, I grew up in the South, grew up in Auburn, Alabama, kind of have the traditional like church story for most people, particularly most college age people, um, was grew up with a great family, went to church my whole life. But the moment I could begin to make decisions on my own, you know, kind of like getting in the high school years, getting in the party scene, it's kind of like, man, this church stuff's fake. It's kind of, honestly, I had in my mind, like, I'll settle down one day, have a family. I'll start following Jesus again then. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. it was just kind of the, what you do. And so I got, uh, my middle school and high school years got really, really involved in the drug and party scene. Yep. Um, and really was pursuing pleasure in all those formats. You know, I was told, this is terrible, don't do it. And I actually started doing it. I was like, this is great. They lied to me the whole time. You know, <laughs> like, a good time. what else were they lying to me about? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you get to that spot for me. I mean, I grew up in the church. And so I would get like a really tight spot. You know, you see blue lights behind you. And I'm like, giving my life to Christ right yeah, then. Yeah. Like, Lord, Lord get me out of this. Me. <laughs> get me out of this and I'm good. Um, and so, man, I, but I, went, I got so deep into that world. You know, Scripture even talks about sin is pleasurable for a season. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing worse than when that season ends. Right. You know, when you realize those relationships, those substances, they the more you take, the less fulfilled you are. Um, and it just becomes, for me even, it got to the point where like, I knew this was killing me. I'm doing drugs every day of my life. I know I'm addicted. I know like I'm a slave to this, and yet I bow down and serve it every day. Mm. Everything externally looked great. You know, I'm at the party, I'm at all these things. Uh, looks like the life of the party, but internally like I'm wanting to die. Yeah. Because I'm so unfulfilled. Um, and so it started this journey for me where I ended up going to like a treatment center. I uh, think I had a great family to kind of lean back on, but ended up uh, going to South Carolina. Didn't plan on staying there long term. And I actually, during that time period, started going to New Spring Church because yeah. I thought, man, I've done the party scene. I need to find me to get on the church scene, you know? <laughs> but my idea at this point following Jesus was don't drink, don't smoke, don't have fun. Right. And so I actually started coming to New Spring, come for about six months. And it's really Clayton King is preaching one Sunday. And I hear as clear as I possibly could. The Lord say, you've known about me your whole life, but you've never known who I am. Mm. At this point, I could have communicated the gospel to you. Yeah. But it was still in my heart just like, here's what I'm going to do for Jesus. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to start following Jesus now. This moment really is the first time for me that I had this revelation that, wait, 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 wait. This is all about what Jesus did for me. Mm. And it, that, that paradigm shift, like, no, 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 I'm just submitting to what he's already done. It's finished. And so really from that moment is the day I gave my life to Jesus. You know, I prayed the prayer so many times or whatever, but like I realized this is what Jesus has done for me. I'm submitting and yielding to that. And so many people talk about my testimony, Josh, of like, man, you got this wild story yeah. of meeting Jesus. And I'll just tell you, like, me meeting Jesus is incredible. It's an incredible miracle. Yeah. But like, man, what God has done in my life since then, mm-hmm. like, 
everyone wants to ask me about my previous story. And it's yeah. like, man, the best story is what he's been doing since. Wow. You know, like getting to live life with God is the mm-hmm. best thing ever. Yeah. So, so in, in, and we'll get to that in a second, but I'd love you to even just speak to, there are so many young adults, college students I speak to who maybe find the allure of the party scene or, or just like trying to figure out this life of following Jesus and maybe the desire is there or head knowledge. And I'd just love you to speak to a moment to maybe someone who's in that scene right now or maybe wants to get out. What are some ways that you would just give pass on encouragement f- from the lessons you've learned? Yeah, I would just, uh, I would say probably more than anything, if you're in both worlds, just pick one and go fully in. Mm. Lovingly, I would hope you would choose the Jesus side, uh, but you're better to let that run its course. Like, I know that sounds, I don't mean that to sound like yeah. it's odd to hear a pastor say that. Like, you're better just to go on the party scene and let that take six months versus taking six years. Because so many people live one foot in, one foot out, like halfway following Jesus, but halfway following the world. Yeah. And that is like a recipe for disaster for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, go all in or go all out. Mm. And, you know, don't let shame or condemnation keep you in one or the other, but just legitimately, it's like, you need to let that realize that is going to lead you to a very empty place very quickly. And the full life that's promised to you in Jesus is available. Mm -hmm. It is a reality. It's not this artificial thing that people don't talk about and experience. Like, it's there waiting for you. Choose that, but more than anything, just run wherever you're going. Go all in on which one way or the other. Yeah, and I guess you you have the story of both ways, and, and you said running after Jesus is the, is the best part of your story. So tell us a little bit about what that has looked like of, yeah, you, you, you say, Hey, I want to follow you, Jesus. And obviously you go on a journey of coming to know him, but how did that grow for you over a period of time? And, and, uh, just speak to some of that journey. Yeah, for me, it was, um, pretty quickly after giving my life to Jesus, I got involved with just a group of people about my same age. who were trying to follow Jesus too. Mm-hmm. I never had that. I'd always had the group of people who were trying to go get high or, you know, go get yeah. drunk. Like, yeah. that was the crew. So, like, you know, getting around talking about Jesus was very odd like, What are me. we doing here? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> I needed a drink before we did it. Not, not really, <laughs> get, but. Get ready. Uh, so, man, meeting a group of people that were just going after the same things I was going after. Yeah. I mean, that really is, you know, it's, it sounds cliche, but, you know, like, who your friends are now or who you're going to be five years from now. There's a lot of truth in that. People say it for a reason. But also in that journey for me, Josh, I just started – I was actually sitting in a service at New Spring, and they're preaching out of Matthew 16. And I just remember, like, I didn't like disagree with what they're saying. It just bothered me that I didn't know what the chapter before and chapter after it said. Mm. And so I actually just started reading the Bible. Wow! I found a plan you could read it like in 90 days. And so I read through the Bible in 90 days, and I started finding out things that are in Scripture that, like I was not taught as a kid. You know, like the Book of Jeremiah uses the word whore. And I'm like, you can't say that in church. <laughs> oh my Lord. But the Lord says it like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. And so my paradigms for what I thought who God was, what I thought what church is, were totally rewritten by his word. And I just fell in love with it. Like I, it's the first time I learned hearing God's real tone, not the perceived tone. Like hearing his kindness, hearing his, his heartbreak for his people, not his anger at his people. And so that rewiring for me, it is well, 90 times four is 360. And so really my first three years of getting saved, I just read through the Bible over and over and over again every 90 days. It just had an insatiable hunger for his word mm-hmm. um, because it's not just the Bible, it's who the Bible introduces me to. Mm-hmm. You know, it says in John 1 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. You know, it says that the word of the Lord stands forever. And so like, yes, it is the written word, but there's there's a personhood to the word. Mm. His name is Jesus. Yeah, He's all in the Old Testament. He's all, it's just, it's about him and getting introduced to that person for who he really is, not who I think he is. You know, that's a big difference. A lot Mm -hmm. of people have this idea of what they think it means to follow God versus a reality of what it means. Mm -hmm. I want the reality with God. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sit around and be, you know, around someone else's fire. I want to be the fire. Mm 
Come on. I don't want to dance around someone else and listen to what Brad Cooper's saying or listen to what Dan Lee or what Josh Bull's saying. Like, I want to carry a real reality with God in my own life. And mm-hmm. so just that insatiability for, for the Word of God and then just getting involved. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing makes you, like, realize, I should probably follow Jesus more by trying to help other people follow Jesus. Right, yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's that perpetual challenge of, like, oh, man, if I'm going to go lead a fuse group, I probably should read my Bible more. Yeah. You know, like, there's yeah. just this. Go first in it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You, you know, we're all following Jesus together. Mm-hmm. If I want to lead other people in that. So I think, like, a lot of people want their life to be perfect before they start doing that. And I think part of the journey of like you growing in your walk is actually bringing other people alongside of you to do it. Yeah. It's funny you bring out that side of even reading the Bible in 90 days. And I've just been having conversations with young adults recently who there's, there is this desire and longing for something more. Mm-hmm. And really even thinking through like, man, there's still time left in this this calendar year where you could get through the Bible in 90 yes. days. And it feels like a big task to be like, man, I've never read through the Bible days, but there's something about just getting through the Bible quickly yes. and moving through it. And I'd love you to even speak to like, I don't, you don't need to spend forever on this, but just like practically why and how and what's the transformation in like 90 days rather than reading over a big long period of time i just love to speak yeah to i mean it's it's really one we do have the time mm-hmm. right like if i if i audit how much i watch netflix or yeah. how much i'll spend on the screen sp- time yeah, yeah. I mean, screen time is there you can look we watch at all of outer banks or whatever yeah i mean it's, it's really if you just sit down and read it takes you less than an hour i'll use about 40 minutes to do that uh, in one sitting if you're gonna do a 90 day plan but the rally like for most people the way they interact with god and his word is like they go and watch pick the middle of a movie watch a two-minute scene press pause and then go away for a week Versus, you can do that once you've seen the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Once you've seen the whole, like, you need to watch the whole movie. Yeah. And so, so many people just go and, like, read a chapter out of John, which is great. Like, I mean, getting the word in yeah, is awesome. But I think there's just something about seeing this arc of God, mm-hmm. not getting caught necessarily in the weeds. There's a, there's a lot more that I don't understand than I do, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, I need I need the Lord to reveal that to me. But just, like, getting that grand arc of who the Lord is, getting the story. There's a, There's a narrative here not just watching the two-minute clip that I'm familiar with. Does that make sense? No, it's, it's yeah. so true. And I think when that clicks, because sometimes you feel like, I have to do this deep dive study in this thing, which obviously there's yeah. time for that Absolutely. and do that. But I think if you haven't read through the Bible yet, man, do whatever you can to fly through yes. that thing, get get the movie, get the scene, and it changes everything. And I, I have seen, I could tell you story after story of transformation when someone just picks up the Bible and flies through it. Yes. And, and there's something beautiful about that. Yes. So, I'd love you to then speak to, okay, even what some of the personal things that God's been doing in your life over maybe the past couple of years. Uh, there, there's talks about the great rumors of what God is doing in Florence, South Carolina, <laughs> of the prayer rooms. And man, mm-hmm. just like I, I have been with you in yep. your truck driving around your city. Yep. And, and the thing I love about you, man, you talk about being around someone else's fire or having the fire yourself. is like, that is so true about you. Mm-hmm. When people are around you, it's like, man, there is something remarkably different about you. And it's yes. just so obvious to me, you've been in God's yes. presence. So I would just love to open the can of worms of man, w- what's going on in your world and in Florence and just yep. share your heart. Um, man, if I, as succinctly as I could say, I feel like God has delivered me from me. Mm. What I mean by that is I think there's this almost this version of like Christian narcissism that's out there. God, what's your plan for my life? And like, so it's true. true. He does have a plan, right? Yeah. So like, I'm, nothing I'm saying is not true, but it gets distorted. And so lately, Josh, I would really say, man, I have like fallen in love with Jesus again. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds so weird, but just lately I've just been so marked by, I don't want to give my life to anything that I won't be doing in eternity. You know, one of the things in our culture that's so interesting to me is like we live in a day and age that is unmoved by God. Mm. Like we live in a day and age that we find God boring. We live in a day and age that's like, and and I, I'm not speaking to culture. I'm speaking to my own heart, yep. right? Like I'm more entertained by something on Netflix 
than I am by the living word of God. Yeah. And for me, there's Jeremiah chapter two is when I started reading the Bible way back then, God has taken me back there now. And it says something, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a young bride, how you follow me in the wilderness and land, not so on. And so, man, there's just been something deep inside of me going, God, take me back to the devotion of my youth. Like, take me back to that season when, like, you were all I really wanted. I didn't care about having anything else. I wasn't trying to build my life and his life. Like, I just, it was, I was all in. Like, you're, how he talks about how you like your love for me as a bride. You know, I don't meet many newlyweds that aren't excited about getting married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I meet a lot of people who've been married for like 15 years who are just married because they're married. Mm-hmm. And just awakening desire. I think we're in this like non-desirous relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how you follow me in the water. Like, he's worthy to be followed. And so what I, or the reason I'm saying this, Josh, is how is it in this day and age we find Jesus boring baffles me. It is like he is the preeminent one the firstborn among all creation, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. There's these revelations of Jesus that we're giving that we've allowed to get distorted. Like the book of Revelation isn't the revelation of the end times. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's the revelation of Christ. Yeah. You know, whose hair is white like wool, whose out of his mouth is a flaming sword. His eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze. Out of his mouth sounds like many rushing waters. And so, man, there's been something in me lately that's going, just meditating on the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. Hmm. It's like there's no one like him. We're gonna like we're gonna spend all of eternity worshiping him, mm-hmm. and it's not gonna be boring. Yeah, like it's not like we're gonna need a better worship leader. Like, hey, bring in elevation <laughs> yeah, worship. Yeah. We need we need Bethel music to Sub come in out, here. Yeah, yeah. Here, like yeah. we need to change up the style. Let's get some Maverick City yeah, in here. Yeah. It is gonna just be catching glimpses of who he is. And you know, the Apostle Paul says, right now we see in part. Mm-hmm. One day we'll see in full. And it's yeah. like, man, if what part I can grab of that right now? Yeah. And so, man, I just feel like lately God has just been giving me this, honestly, it sounds weird, but like a transcendent view of life. Mm-hmm. The end of the end of the day, like all flesh is like grass. Isaiah 40 says this, all flesh is like grass. Mm-hmm. The grass withers and the flower fades, but it's the word of the Lord that remains forever. Mm-hmm. The word became flesh. And, it's and so like, mm-hmm. man, Josh, I think there's just something right now for me on just meditating on who Jesus is. You know, it talks about Revelation 5. He is the one who was found worthy to open the scroll. And I just feel like I've had to do a lot of repenting for like getting bored with Jesus. Yeah, I've had to do a lot of repenting for being unmoved by God. Like mm-hmm. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. If I'm not accessing that, it's because I'm settling for a lesser thing. Mm. I'm finding more pleasure in food. I'm finding more pleasure in social media, something else versus like finding it in him. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible is Isaiah 64. You know, it says, in the verse one it says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, mm-hmm. that the mountains might shake again in your presence. And it's like, mountains won't shake until we start shaking. Mm-hmm. You know, until I start shaking at the word of the Lord again and, and the person of who he is. Um, and so that's a very long-winded no, say to me. Like, I just, just a fresh infatuation with Jesus yeah. and asking him to like, the first thing, you really can love God. Mm-hmm. Like, my love for God blesses God. Mm-hmm. And spending a life devoted to loving him out of the understanding that he loves me is amazing. Yeah. When I, when I hear you speak, it's undeniable to me that, that your love is there and Jesus is not boring to you. And, and I, I think people leaning into the conversation and maybe the desire is there, man, I want more of God. But truthfully, like I sometimes find it boring to read my Bible or I, I don't have a full view and grasp of, of, man, the steak looks good and tastes good, but yeah. how do I actually like enjoy and delight in his presence? Yeah. And I'd love you to speak to maybe some disciplines or how you've made space for God in your life to set because it's so yep. clear to me this is not just an overnight yep. thing like you've been following jesus for a while now yep. and what would you just pass on encouragement to anyone leaning in yeah you know, your passion second corinthians three eighteen talks about like that we are all being transformed into the same image mm-hmm. from one degree of glory to the next and i think there's just like this infatuation with 
man, I need to have this crazy encounter. Yeah. I need to have this conference encounter. I need to have this like, man, I got, front. Yeah. yeah, I need to have this encounter moment. And you know what? I've had some pretty radical encounters with God in my day. Yeah. I've always laughed at how non-transformative they are. Yeah. But just that one degree day to day. So good, man. Getting up and putting my eyes on the word. Getting yeah. up and just spending a little bit of time in prayer. And so I really like, as simple as it sounds, Josh, for me, I actually started asking Jesus to reveal himself to me. Yeah. So any spiritual discipline, because I think that's what we do poorly in the church, or at least in my, it's like, all right, you need to pray more. All right, that's a lot. I need to read my Bible. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. I need to fast while I like eating. Like There's like all these things. Like yeah. It's like this perpetual list of try harder, do more, yeah. versus I think it's Henry Nowen that has the quote that says, spiritual disciplines are just making room for God in my life. Yeah. And so that actually changes the way I read my Bible, because I'm not just going through to check it. I'm opening my Bible saying, I'm making room for you, God. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality. The paradigm I think everybody needs is he is more willing to reveal himself than our desire to know him. Wow. If we come to him, it says in scripture, if you seek me, you'll find me. Yep. It doesn't say like, seek me long enough. Like, like you will. Like he, he desires to be known. Mm-hmm. He's revealed himself in the person of Jesus. He's given us his Holy Spirit to actually encounter that. And so for me, Josh, it really is as simple as, you know, Ephesians 1 says that we would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Son. Mm-hmm. And so any spiritual discipline that I have, like, yes, I have a pretty – you know, a prayer rhythm in my life. But that's just making room for God. Yeah, That's just me getting quiet. That's just me kind of creating space and just saying, all right, God, what, like, not here's my list. Because a key paradigm in prayer is like, you know, we have the Holy Spirit praying for us. We have Jesus praying for us. I don't really want to pray what I want to pray. I want to sit there and get quiet and say, Jesus, what are you praying for in my life right now? Mm-hmm. What What is it you're asking for? And getting in line with what he's praying for versus what I just desire to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I read my Bible every day. You know, but I'm making room for God. I'm not just checking it off. Like I want to encounter Him. Yep. He set up a way. I want to encounter God in prayer. I want to encounter God in worship. And then I just really want to encounter God, like becoming ever aware of His presence in my life, mm. an ever increasing view of His presence, because it's around, it's accessible. It's just whether or not I'm aware that it's there. Mm-hmm. As as you're talking about making room, I, I'm just thinking about this idea of 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 the reality that we get to be in the room with His presence, yes. and and that. My favorite thing is, yes, we can have these beautiful encounter moments and yes. big conferences, worship nights, all that stuff. But the reality that you can sit on your couch yes. early in the morning and experience the presence of God yes. and, and making space in our lives to, to do yes. that. And whether it's your car as you're driving yes. down the road or laughing with your yes. for me with my kid at home and just like, man, God, you're so good. And, get yes. to, yeah, and that's just the beautiful thing of, of we get to be in the room with his presence yes. and be, be and enjoy him. And so speak to man. I would just love to hear like so, w- people want life hacks or formulas yep. and, and uh, whatever, yep. but and we don't have to copy and paste everything Sam's doing, but he's doing some good things, <laughs> yep. man. And, and so yep. show t- teach us like, what are some of the ways yep. that you're making room for yep. God in your life? Yeah. So I'll show you just, one of the things we we're talking about is presence. And so this was a paradigm shift for me. And I actually got it pretty recently that a guy, he gave me language for it. So we often are inviting God to be a part of our life. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, is like, you know, the prayer that I know is, is big and like, as it is in heaven, let it be so on earth. There is a culture of heaven. There is a, there's a kingdom of heaven. And the problem often in my life is I was trying to invite him to inhabit a space he was unfamiliar with. Mm. Versus cultivating an environment in my heart that he is. And so very practically, like, he does not like to inhabit. Like, And yes, there is the, the theological understanding that he's always with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. But there is this difference between experience, like experiencing the presence of God. And I found this, like, you know, there are things in my heart that are almost like God opposes pride. Mm-hmm. When I'm walking around not willing to repent and say I'm sorry. When I'm walking around with just arrogance in my life, like, 
that is a, re- a repellent to the presence of God. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to dwell in a bitter heart. He doesn't want to dwell in a hard one. And so from a very, very practical sense, Josh, I think it is like there's some biblical mandates that are just pretty simple, but like this is why gossip's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to just sit there and talk to God and worship and adore him and then just slander someone he's made in their own image. Yep. That's a space he's not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so that's a paradigm thing that I operate with a lot, Josh, but just on a very practical sense, um, you know, I read whatever the day is of Proverbs. Uh, and I actually got this from Dr. Jim Goodrow because uh, mm-hmm. I remember meeting him. He's, you know, later on in life. Yep. There's just life in it. There's fire in his eyes. Yeah, he's just like, I want to be like that. <laughs> yeah. And so he told me he reads five Psalms every day. So I read a chapter of Proverbs. And then, so let's just say today's the 18th. So I read Psalm 18. Yep. Then I read Psalm 48. Then I read Psalm 78. Then I read Psalm 108. Then I read Psalm 138. Okay, I like that. And so you basically read through Proverbs yeah. and Psalms every month. And that's my baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I'm typically like, you know, I'm in the book of Galatians right now. I'll jump somewhere else. And that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Um, you know, some of the Psalms are really short, but there's something about the Psalms. I think if you want to know about the character and the knowledge of God, there's mm-hmm. something there that I used to not like the Psalms, but I absolutely love them. Um, I'm big on practicing. Like there's these, I have a, a lifestyle of fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to fast one 24 hour period a week. And that's, this is like, and this could be as simple for somebody as like just skipping a meal. Yeah. You know, just, just turning your phone off for a 24 hour period, like just doing something like abstaining from something you desire so that you can create room for God in your life. Because often he's speaking, we've just drowned it out with other voices. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's uh, every week rhythm fast for me. Um, and then I actually have like a forgiveness thing. I walk through often, uh, because that's probably been one of the biggest accelerants in my own heart, Josh, where we often like to act like we're way more mature than we actually are. And your heart doesn't go from like just being on fire to God to like ice cold overnight. Yeah. It's these small things like, you know, you saying something to me, like I don't need to forgive you about it. I don't need to talk to you about it, but it just starts like creating this little shiny veneer over my heart. If not tended to over time, that gets like really, really hard. Mm. Um, and so I've kind of got like a really, really simple thing of just like, I need to write the Holy Spirit, show me whoever I'm mad at to pause for a second and say, I just created a list of offenses. First Corinthians says that, 13 says, don't do that, that love doesn't hold on to offense. And so then I just say, Jesus, would you just remind me of how much you've forgiven me? Hmm. Then I go through and just say, you know, because the blood of Jesus has forgiven me, therefore I forgive Josh. Because we make forgiveness this horizontal thing, and it's actually a vertical thing. 100%. It's a vertical mm-hmm. thing between God and man. That has done something in my heart. Like, it's like heart surgery. Um, and so, man, daily Bible reading, time in prayer, just as the, the most profound thing you can do. Years ago, I got over my pride because I would pray more in a microphone as a pastor than I did in the secret space of my life. And that's true of a lot of pastors. Yeah. And I just remember uh, saying, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? And would you make me a man of prayer? He loves to answer that. Like there are just like automatic yeses on the table. And if you would pray that every day, you'd be shocked at the journey that would lead you on. Like that has, that simple whispered prayer that I pray every day has done more in my life than probably anything else. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, very practically, Proverbs a day, five Psalms a day, just jumping in somewhere, just getting God's word in your soul, asking him to reveal yourself, reveal himself as you do that, creating a lifestyle of fasting. That's not for the spiritual Navy SEALs. That's right. for everybody. Yep. Like you could find a lifestyle of this that really, it does something. It does something. Um, I'm big on like a Sabbath day, all these kind of things. Um, but man, I would even say, you know, that forgiveness deal, but also at the same time, the um, just walking through and asking Jesus to teach me how to pray. Like, what do you want God to do? Ask him to do it. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Like, would you give me a greater understanding of who you are? It might not be right there in that moment. But two weeks from now, you're sitting in a gathering, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. You know, and often I'm not even aware, like, oh, this is what I prayed for a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But, man, he likes to say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to reveal himself to us. And that just that paradigm that he desires to be known more than I desire to know him. Mm-hmm.
speak more to uh, your journey with prayer and and, yeah. and and why do you love it? Why does it matter to you? Yeah. And, and just, I know, I know it's a big part of your life. Yeah, so I think I had all these wrong paradigms of prayer, right? Like I just, you know, this is for the old people or this is for the, you know, spiritual elite. Honestly, prayer is really about relationship. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who, it might have been uh, Finn or, you know, that said this one time, prayer is the only spiritual discipline you can't fake. Mm-hmm. I go on a fast, it's a diet. Yeah. You know, I know people that aren't saved that are generous. Yep. I can check my Bible, you know, a non-Christian can read it, but prayer there's something about it that you can just begin to know who God is. And really the understanding too of prayer is not about getting results. Prayer is about knowing God. Mm-hmm. We make prayer this like, my mom is sick, I need to pray for her to be healed. Uh, we make these urgent cries versus just this ongoing knowing who the Lord is. Um, and that understanding about Isaiah 64 verse 7 says there's no one who calls upon the name of the Lord. Uh, that's really, you know, calling upon the name of God, knowing who God is and saying, God, this is who you revealed yourself to be. I want to I call upon that. First time that happens, I think, is in Genesis 4. It says that that day the people began to call. So it's all throughout Scripture, this idea of calling upon the name of the Lord. But it says, it goes on to say, there's no one who stirs himself up to lay hold of you. And that, Josh, is the thing. Like, it just sparks a fire in me of, like, this is being spoken to provoke something in you. Like, if no one will call upon the name of the Lord, I will. If no one will lay a hold of God, I will. And often, like, we think of, like, I need to pray for Josh. What gives me the authority to pray for you, Josh, is that I've got one hand on you, and I've got one hand holding on to God. Come on. And, like, that is what gives me the ability to pull these things in together and to pull things into your life um, and begin to, to pray into those spaces. And so I, I had it really journeying for me, Josh, because I just realized I didn't have a prayer life. It just was non-existent. I had all these things in my heart about the church doesn't pray. And yep. one day, very simply, I just heard the Lord say, well, are you a man of prayer? And I went, no. <laughs> like, that's a problem. <laughs> and so that was the journey where I started, hey, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Because I needed to humble myself and act like, I, you know, I've got these empty words going out that I don't even believe. Mm-hmm. And then make me a man of prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, Josh, that, that journey for me, and I've been through just seeing how often Jesus teaches about it, seeing how he was a man of prayer. Like if Jesus needed to pray, I'm pretty sure I'd need to. Um, but more than anything, it's just about knowing God. It is that thing of if you want a reality with God, if you want a fire, if you want something, man, there is just something about knowing his name, but not just knowing his name, laying a hold of him. Come on, I'm not letting go. And if you view prayer as results, I probably got more losses in prayer than I have wins. But there's just something about when you're not backing down, contending for somebody like, God, you revealed yourself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. I didn't make up that you wanted to heal this person. You revealed yourself this way. And I'm grabbing hold of that. I'm laying hold of that. And I trust you and I know that you're good, but I'm just not backing down. And there's something in that, Josh, that just gives you this. It blesses God. Mm -hmm. I think it blesses God when people know who he is, know his character, know his kindness, and I found uh, for me that this journey, there's two things that will get people to become a praying people. The first one is desperation. You're in a situation in life that you don't have the answer to. Something is wrong, like you are, you know, the 911 moment, like you desperately, you're crying out. We see this happen on the earth all the time. That's a good thing. God, God uses that. But I yeah. think the greater thing, Josh, is this, is understanding the goodness of God. Often we don't pray because we're not convinced that God is good. Mm-hmm. And so our prayer request is actually a prayer test that we're sliding across to God, and we're not sure he's going to pass it yet. Yep. 
And that is one of the things that when I really got laid hold of the goodness of God, because when Jesus asked, or the disciples asked, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Most people say the Lord's Prayer, and then they think it stops right there. But Jesus actually unpacks a discourse right there. He does say the Lord's Prayer, which is about our perspective, like our Father in heaven. So he's he's close, but he's also big. Like there's this this whole formula thing there, kind of laying some things out. But then it goes on to continue. It says, which one of you, someone comes to your house, one of your friends at midnight, and they want some bread, and you don't have it. So you go to your neighbor's house, and you ask your neighbor for the bread because your friend needs it. And it says that you're, you keep knocking. The guy tells you to go away. His family's in the house. It's midnight. It says he doesn't answer because he wants to. He answers because of your persistence. So having the right perspective in prayer, having the persistence in prayer. But then he goes, the, the third discourse right there, he says, which one of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Mm-hmm. Or asks for a stone, will give him, or asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Mm-hmm. How much more, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father know how to? And so Josh, like, those get distorted for us, and you need all three of those lanes running in your prayer life at all times. The goodness of God, he desires to give me good things. Being persistent in prayer, like we like make prayer like a game of tag, like, well, I pray for it once, I'm done. Yep. Keep you know, like tag, you're yep, it, God. Yep. But like, no, no like just, just consistently contending, just not backing down, laying hold of who he is, but then also just understanding the Lord's prayer. You know, like our Father in heaven, he desires to be known. He desires to reveal himself to us. Um, I would just... Unpacking prayers like unpacking God. Yep. It is so, there's so many different facets to it. And I've just found there's just more than anything, it's just about getting that fresh revelation of Jesus. Because that's what I need more than anything else, that, that paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take God into my circumstances. I want God to t- like elevate me to what he's thinking, mm-hmm. you know, to get me to a different place. The psalmist says, I lift my soul up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Most of us were like, God, my life is terrible. I've got all these problems, like all these <laughs> things. And God's like, well, I'm also really good. Yep. I'm also all that you need. Mm-hmm. Hearing you talk, just it really does something in you that's like, man, I want more of that in my life. And and just again, I'd love you to unpack: is there is there tools and ways of of, of taking that heartbeat and implementing in in someone's life? Of are there any ways that you'd say, hey, pray like this, pray yep. when this, or like what what does that look like to do what you're yeah. talking about? Uh, I would specifically say, for me, the shift really happened. If as practical as I can be, is I had a I love the reading the Bible. Felt like I had a bad prayer life, and then God taught me how to pray His word. Yeah. Um, so, like I mentioned, Jeremiah chapter two. I mean, I could just learning how to whisper God's word back to Him is so profound. I mean, there are a million different places I could recommend. Like Psalm twenty-four is a great psalm. You know, to start with, you could go into any of Jesus' prayers, John seventeen. Pray that. Yeah. Begin to just meditate, slowly meditate, and whisper God's words back to Him, because what I've you know found is, man, there's just something about knowing I'm in the right place and in the right starting spot in those places. Um, you know, right now for me, I'm spending a lot of time in Jeremiah chapter 2, and it just talks about, you know, I remember the devotion of your youth. And so, man, I just sit there and go, God, would you restore the devotion of my youth? Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. And there's, there's something about, like, we, we feel like we got to have all these full words, like, I can be in an hour prayer gathering and repeat five sentences over and over and over. And it's something about repeating these things. They start coming out of my mouth, start getting into my heart, and then I actually start believing them. Mm-hmm. And that's when it becomes like this, this key shift. You know, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a young bride. It's like, God, I, you're worthy to be loved. I don't, wanna, I don't want Jesus. Like, it's so sad to me in these, this day and age that Jesus' wife doesn't want it. So I began, God, would you awaken a deeper and greater love for you in my life? Would you begin to just draw me into a deeper place of desiring you? Like, we often want desire other people to know God more than we want to know God. 
<laughs> you know, like for real. We get this big yeah. and like evangelism is a great and yes yeah. and amen thing. You know, like how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. And I can just sit there and go, God, you're worthy to be followed. You're trustworthy to be followed. You are certain and sure for me to build my life on. Like, you're worthy to be followed. And man, there's just something about getting in that. It goes on to talk about in the later verses that the ministers did not say, Where's the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. Going, God, where are you right now? Like, we often ask the question about why God. Ask the question, where God? Mm. Um, and so, man, slowly meditating God's word back to him is so profound. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. The world is asking, what is God like? And sitting there going, Jesus is the answer. He is the image. Yeah. He is the image. The firstborn among all creation. And just slowly praying through a passage of scripture. I'll just sit in something for a long period of time. Um, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, just spent a lot of time there. You know, there's, you really, because it's like, what do I pray for? You've got a like pretty limitless list of things. It's just, as you're spending time with God, uh, you just look for that word. You look for that phrase as you're reading the Bible and you just begin turning that into prayer and you'll start seeing these consistent things. So like, I've got stuff we're praying for in corporate settings, and I've also got the things that God is like drawing me out into secret places with it. Um, it really is just kind of being super aware of what God is doing and what He's saying. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. It's not like eating a meal. Yeah. Like the more you eat here on Earth, the full like we get full fast. We don't want anymore. Like the more you eat spiritually, the more you want. The appetite. Just dive in. Just start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but man, specifically praying God's word, learning how to pray His word back to Him is one of the most transformative things that you could possibly do. That's amazing. Something that I, I mentioned this earlier, but I just feel so true about you is is just your heart for your city in Florence. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there is something profound too when uh, when we know God and experience yes. Him and, and truly it, it yes. goes deep within us. Yes. There's something transformational around the city that we reside in. Mm-hmm. And it's just something so passionate that, that for me yes. is like where people reside, where they have a heart for their city. Yes. And I'd just love you to speak to why do you care about your city, where you live, and why, just share some of your heart for what God is doing. And, yep. and, and I think it will be encouraging to people leaning and listening. Yeah, I, you know, I've got such a long story, that journey of learning about that. But more than anything, it's just like you said, Knowing God, then experiencing what we're experiencing on earth and saying there's a gap here, right? Like there is a gap between what God desires to do and what we are experiencing, and I just want that. Mm -hmm. Like God is too good to not be known. And so I would specifically say I think we just often live very comfortable and compartmentalized lives. I intentionally go places in my city that make me uncomfortable. I intentionally go places that grieve me. Like there are things right now, and there are not just on what's on the news, like we just get reported what's out there, but the things on our earth, on, happening on earth should be drawing us to a place of intercession because this is not in the heart of God. And people often have that we have this distorted view of the sovereignty of God, Josh, where it's just like God's going to do whatever God's yeah. going to do. Mm-hmm. But, man, there's something about where you live. You know, God gave them a, a, a place and a territory. He, he gave them a promised land. And yeah. I just desire to see that kind of people stepping into who, what like not just the people in the region, but like the actual like region stepping into it. And so, man, intentionally getting into some spaces where you see brokenness, getting bothered by things, like allowing the Holy Spirit to grieve my heart. Mm-hmm. When I begin to think about all the people in, in the Florence area that are, are battling addictions, or the children that are being abused, or the you know women that are being abused in relationships, or the amount of homelessness going on, like people are in my city hungry, and these things ought not be so. God has a plan, and his plan is his people. 
Um, and so, man, I'll very practically, it's just like, you can just drive around your city and begin to pray. Yeah. Because um, I think so often we jump so proactively into like, oh, we need to go do something. But we don't do something out of actual burning passion for God first. And I think you know, like, one of the best things you could do is just silently pray over your city for six months. Ask God to set your heart on fire for a need or an area or a specific place. Um, but, man, I like to go to the places that make other people uncomfortable. Um, I walk around our downtown area often. There's a coffee shop down there. I'll get some coffee. I might be meeting somebody. And if I've got 20 minutes afterwards, I'll just walk around and begin to bless businesses that I'm going by, begin to bless people as I see them, begin to stand outside the Justice Center and say, God, would you establish your justice in this region? You know, it's just something about understanding that God has a plan for this place. But also, man, the enemy has a plan for this place. Yeah. And I want to contend for God's purposes, for God's plan. Um, and I just... It's one of those things, Josh, for me, I just burn very, very deeply with it um, because God is just too good to not be known. Mm-hmm. He's too good to not be experienced, and he has just desires for, I think, regions to flourish. Yep. Enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy the eye of come. You may have life and life to the full. Mm-hmm. That's not this Western individualized, like, I'm going to have a six-car garage. Exactly, and, man. you know, yeah. like, no, this is, I want to bring this area into flourishment, that the kingdom of heaven could be established mm-hmm. in this place. Yep. Something that I've started doing, uh, I've been doing it for a while now, but it's now one of my favorite things ever. When, when Eli was born and you, I'd throw him in the car with me and I've got to go around, around Anderson where I literally drive and just praying. And, and yes. I have this imagery of like where my tires tread is inheritance for the kingdom. Yes. And the same, same where I feel like for my feet is where my feet go. Yes. This is inheritance for the kingdom of God. Yes. And, and just like this imagery of like for, for the young adults of South Carolina to get planted. Maybe you're, yep. you're, you've moved to yep. a city for a school or a job yep. or wherever you reside. Coastal Carolina belongs exactly. to me. Francis Marion belongs to me. Yep. Clemson belongs, mm-hmm. to, and it doesn't belong to us. That's the thing. Yep. Psalm 2 says, ask me for the nations, and I'll give them to you as an inheritance. We're so busy, Josh, getting caught and consumed with what I want. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus has not received his inheritance yet, which is the nations of the earth. Yep. And so, man, I'm asking Jesus, God, would you give Jesus Florence, South Carolina? Would you give you like one that starts in my heart, right? But once he gets my heart, he yeah. wants us to kind of begin. It's that inward working, the, the kingdom expansion, inward and outward, right? Yeah. And it's like, man, would you give this land back to King Jesus? This this belongs to him. These people, Psalm 24 that I mentioned earlier, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yeah. We are in this like reclamation project of reestablishing everything for King Jesus. And it starts in my own heart, but also in the areas, of, like you said, my tire treads. Yeah. And you're passing something along to Eli in those spaces mm-hmm. too that's just so profound. Yeah. And I, I would love you to speak to, um, man, just like the future. I, I think uh, when you when you would, if you were sitting down with a generation, young adults yep. who were leaning and listening, it was yep. like, man, what what are you seeing and what are you sensing and what would you just pass on as an encouragement to anyone yes. leaning into this conversation as they're following Jesus and want to make him known and in a world of chaos yes. and confusion, just any wisdom and, and that you would pass on uh, to, to people leaning into this conversation? I would say, um, and I'm, I'm young as well, but in the you know 10 years or so that I've been pastoring, I've never seen a time where there's so much global pressure. When I, you know, in hitting everybody, whether you're a student, a teacher, a law enforcement officer, a racial minority, it just feels like everybody yeah. feels pressure. Every industry, everybody's feeling it. And here's the thing that encourages me is all of this, I don't think God creates it. I think God is allowing it. And I just want to encourage people that this is unto something. And most people want to return back to normal, and I don't. I want to get out of this season what I think God wants to get out. Like, this is unto something. And I'll tell you what I believe it's unto, Josh, is we were actually in our prayer room praying through Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And there's just, it talks about, for this reason, I bow to the Father, that according to his glorious riches, 
He would strengthen you in your inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, would have the strength to comprehend what is the height, the depth, the length, and the width, and that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge you may be filled with the fullness of God. Mm. And so this passage just started getting in my heart, like I said, like that slow repetition. I spent weeks here. Yep. And I realized I'm praying to God that he would strengthen me by his spirit in my inner man so that Christ may dwell in my heart, not so I could go change the world, not so I can go out and perform signs and wonders or whatever these things. It was so that I could be wrecked by his love. And what I really believe right now is it talks about in Hebrews, we've been given an unshakable kingdom. And I think God is shaking everything in the in our lives, the shakable. And I believe all of this because what I'm realizing is there's so much going on in the world, so much chaos, but the real problem is the chaos inside of God's people. The real problem is the chaos inside of young adults. It's not what's happening on social. It's what's happening within them. And I just believe that if we can start tending to our interior lives even more, that whole passage is I need I need to be strengthened by God to be loved by God. I need to have the like that makes no sense. I need strength to comprehend his love. Yes. But because it really is raven. Like it is something about the love of God that needs to hit us afresh and anew. And so I'm saying all this to say, man, there is something right now on the earth that I just like, rather than I'm wanting it to end, I'm asking it to increase. You know why? Because it says greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. And there's a greater force here than what's being pressed in from the world outside. And I think until we start really stepping into that in a in a unique way that, you know, I think one of the greatest miracles that God has come perform in, in, in my day and age is taking a lukewarm church and bringing forth a bride on fire. Come on, man. God is using this to bring forth a people who we just say, no, no, we have Jesus and we have enough. He is our portion. He is our prize. I don't need Jesus in a good life. I don't need Jesus in a good job. He is worthy to be followed. There's something about this burning, this one thing desire, this passion for Jesus that where he, the fire in his eyes becomes the fire in my heart and that nothing externally tends that fire, right? That we just become fully devoted to him. Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and who did not love their lives unto death. Mm. The only way that that, that last, we usually like to quote the first part of that, we don't like the second part yeah. of that, but it's just the reality of loving God so much that we are willing to lay down our lives, man. Mm. Like, I just think there's just coming this thing right now that needs to hit the church in a unique way that I think the earth is going to keep shaking until God's people wake up. Come on, man. And I believe all of this, I just know it's unto something. And so, man, more than anything, like more than I'm praying for the world to change, more than I'm praying for all these things out here to change, I'm asking God to change me and just set me on fire. Let me just, I want to burn. Hmm. I want, Like I said earlier, I don't want to be around the fire. I want to be the fire. And we need a lot more of that in the earth. Mm-hmm. And I just believe, man, there is something, this is unto something, you know, that, and it's so unique right now. If, there, if there's a you know young adult on a college campus or just in their spaces that's burning hot for God solely after him, not after the coolest Christian, you know, the next, the cool preacher, yep. the cool worship group, but no, 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 I'm alone in my room whispering words to God that create wakes in men. That is the aim of my life. I don't want a platform. I don't want a microphone. I have a platform with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I just want him to break the dullness off my eyes to give me a fresh view of who he is. And out of this, man, there is coming forth a bride on fire. Mm. I believe this generation is marked for it. I believe that we are waking up to all the artificial super, like the, we don't want, we don't want the fake anymore. Yeah. We want the real thing. The real thing. I don't want empty phrases. I want a reality with God that I cannot just like get me to church on Sunday, but pulls me through life that helps me view yeah. things differently to get marked with a higher view of who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, man. The real thing is found in Jesus. Yes. And, and we need a generational freak going yes. after it in yes. him. And, and I, I'm just so thankful for the way you're leading out. I'm thankful for the man that you are. And, and 
when people are in proximity to you, you can feel the presence of God. And I just pray that will be true for the people who are leaning into this yes. conversation. And so we're about to bring our time to a close. And I'd just love if you would take a moment to, uh, if, if there's any final encouragement that you'd have, feel free to share. But if not, I'd love you to just pray for us as we bring our time to a close. And I love you a lot. And we'll definitely get you yeah. back because this was a yeah. great conversation. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. Yeah, and man, I, thank you so much. And probably just want to pray for everybody real quick. Come on, please. Let's just ask the Lord to do something in us. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for the bold and confident access we have to you through the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving up your life for us. Thank you not leave us as orphans, but you gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray right now for anybody that's listening, who's going to listen to this in the future. Father, you would break boredom off of our eyes. You would break complacency off of our lives. And that, God, you would restore devotion, God. You would restore adoration, God. You would just restore something in our hearts, God. We settle. I settle for such a lesser love than you. Song of Solomon 1 says that your love is better than wine. Your love is better than blank, God. Would you wake a generation up to the reality and the fury of your love? Whom do we have in heaven but you? Whom do we have on this earth but you, Jesus? You are our portion. You are our prize. You are our cup of blessing. The boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. So, Father, I just, I just want to say along with the people listening is that you're our portion, Jesus. Yes. You're worthy, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for loving us. I just ask that you would just give a fresh fire to each of us. That the fire in Jesus' eyes will become the fire in our hearts. Song of Solomon 8, 6 says, you set a seal of fire upon our hearts. Father, would you mark your people again? Bring forth a bride on fire, spotless and blameless and pure. Would you use this generation, would you use the individuals listening to bring forth a bride for Jesus is worthy of Jesus? that desires him, that longs for him. We long for you, Jesus. I'll just bless, Lord, would you begin to open your mouth to them in new ways? Mm. Open their ears, open their hearts, open their eyes to understand how much you love them, how much you care for them, and how much you desire to be with them. Father, I just thank you for the young adult that's listening that is going to start a mini revival on their college campus. Come on. And not in this like huge platform type way, but just gathering in a room late at night and beginning to exchange whispers with you, God. Whispers with you that create wakes in their roommates. Whispers with you that create wakes in fraternities and sororities, God, that we would see a revival fire hit a multitude of people because it hit one person. God, all throughout Scripture, you use the, the principle of one with God as a majority. Give us an understanding of who it is we're praying to. Increase your word in our life, King Jesus. Give us an ever-increasing view of you, God, and an ever-decreasing view of man. Grass withers and flower fades, but it's the word of the Lord that remains forever. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. Yeah, man. Thank y'all. Thank you for joining the Rally Podcast. We hope it encouraged you. We'd love for you to be part of the Rally family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you'd like to connect to a campus, text Rally to 30303.